Wow, you guys look great, by the way, whoever dressed you, A plus for them. They did wonderful. Um, I think green is the color today. I mean, a lot, there's a lot of red here, never mind. I think maybe red will be the color. Anyway, um, just a few things that I want to make mention of. First and foremost is that this is a day that the Lord has made, and so we should rejoice and be glad in it. Praise the Lord for what he's doing here uh, in our region and uh, in Berea uh, through Overcome Church, through you guys. So thank you so much for being a loving, gracious uh, church family, and I love serving the Lord with you. Now, as I mentioned last week, uh, they got me on a time limit now, so I got to rush a little bit through these um, uh, these introductory things. But one thing that I will take the time for is to make mention of tonight. Tonight is going to be a wonderful opportunity to come see all the hard work that the children's ministry has uh, has done. Um, you see these curtains. Um, you see the lights, you see the changes. There's going to be more changes made uh, before you come back tonight. But I want you to know that the children's ministry has worked super, super hard, and they have um, really put together something special that I think will not only bless and minister um, to you, but I think to any guest that we can bring, to any um, person uh, that just joins in to see these babies um, perform for the Lord. I think it's really going to bless our hearts and uh, speak directly to us, and so I'm very excited for what the Lord may do. There will be um, not only the presentation, but there will also be a short gospel presentation shortly after, so please bring anybody and everybody. We'd love to minister to whoever would walk through the doors, and then afterwards will be uh, the time I'm waiting for coffee, hot chocolate, and homemade Christmas cookies downstairs in the orange room, so I cannot wait to eat cookies and drink hot chocolate and coffee, and we'll get all wired up and then send everybody home with their kids, so it'll be wonderful. Anyway, please, please join us tonight. It's going to be great. Um, I know that the weather outside is kind of yucky, but praise the Lord that we get to spend time together in here comfortably and um, in the presence of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. God, so much for your blessings, your many blessings. And Lord, we could try to list them, but Lord, there are some that um, are just so too numerous to uh, count, Lord. We thank you for everything that you do as you're working in us, on us, and through us. God, I pray that you would bless this time as we look into your word. God, bless this opportunity that we get to encounter you in a very real way. We know where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. And also, uh, to accompany that statement is the fact that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so thank you for the fact that, God, we have freedom in this place to be your children. I am a child of the king and I am so thankful that we get to in some ways have this family reunion weekly as we gather in your house. We are the gathering. We are church are us. And so thank you so much God for what you're doing here and now. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray you bless this time in your word. Amen. Amen. All right, well, last week we didn't get the chance to finish the 11-point sermon that we had, so we'll finish that up. Um, If you still have your sermon notes handout from week two, just use that. That will be appropriate. We'll just finish up right there. I know it says week two, but this is 
week three. Um, remember what we were talking about. It's connecting in the kingdom, part two. Connecting in the kingdom is one thing to be connected to the kingdom. Jesus does that through his blood payment on the cross of Calvary. But now to connect in the kingdom is what we do through the way we love each other and love others and love God. The first and second greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. The second is like it, Jesus says, to love your neighbor as yourself. Thank you for helping me preach this morning. And so we know that these are our, um, or the statutes of the Lord that he has given us. Our ultimate purpose, we talked about, is to um, glorify God. And we talk through what it means to um, operate within the scope of that purpose last week. We know the Bible says that we were made by him, through him, and for him. And there was nothing that was made that wasn't made in that way. And so as we look through, just a quick recap of our purpose, we want to round up this thought of being connected in the kingdom by focusing on these two things, our purpose and our relationships. One, operating within the scope of our purpose, but then also abiding in a relationship with the one who gives us that purpose. It's very special what the Lord has done for us. and, and, and through us uh, by way of the cross. Just a quick recap, our purpose, how we bring glory to God um, could be summed up, I think, in these five little categories. One, our worship, and not just how we sing, but how we pray, how we devote our lives to him, how we give, how we serve, how we speak, how we walk. That is worship. Worship is so much more than singing the correct um, uh, category of music. Worship is how you live your life. It is a lifestyle. Amen? It's consume, or it's, uh, it consists of your devotion and your and your. Um, your, your, your lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. Secondly, we said love. How we bring glory to God is how we love. We know that we are commanded to love God, but then also to love others. A great and monumental verse from Romans would be this, that we should love one another just as Christ has also loved us. Also in John chapter 13, love one another just as I have loved you, Jesus says, so that by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. The greatest testimony you can tell of being a follower of Jesus is how you love others and how you love each other. Thirdly is our process of sanctification. It's the growth, it's the maturity in Christ, right? It's how we grow spiritually. Fourth is our talents and how we use them or the gifts that God gives us to steward. Our finances, our abilities, our strengths, even our weaknesses are meant to be stewarded well and used for the kingdom of God. It is our purpose as a church. And lastly, under this category of purpose is our testimony. Use it or lose it, we said last week. Tell somebody what Christ has done for you, what it means to be blood-bought by Jesus and how he has died and paid that ransom for your sin and my sin and the, and, and the sin of the world. The blood-bought payment once and for all. 
for sin, crippling death, hell, and the grave. Now, let's um, dive right into relationship. We started this, um, this section last week and couldn't get any further than the first point there. So if you're writing anything down on your note cards, these are the key terms of rela- uh, relationship. We are, as the church, to abide or consist or exist within this relationship that is made way by the one who gives us this purpose. As we continue to grow in our relationship with God, we must think of him as our best friends or our best friend. We are his friends. He says, no greater love can someone have than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And then in the very next statement, he says, you are my friends. What is that like? For the king of heaven and earth, the Lord of all creation, the great I am, made available in flesh to say today, you are my friends. Consider where we've come from, church. Consider your, your, your walk with the Lord, your life, your testimony. Not all of us were born with silver spoons in our mouth. Not all of us came from healthy relationships in the family or in the home space. Not all of us came from a great upbringing. Yet, God has saw fit or seen fit to bless us with this opportunity to now be a part of his family. He's made a a way when it seemed like there would be no way to bring us into the fold. We have a testimony of where we've come from And now where we are by the grace of God, it's through his mercy and his grace. And we now have that testimony to tell. And it's an example of our relationship with him and how he has befriended us and saved us to the uttermost. In considering this friendship with the Lord or this relationship with the Lord, there are, I think, six things that we should consider um, to, uh, to do or, or be about in this relationship. One thing we talked about last week is prayer, our prayer. I don't know how many of you uh, have spent time with the Lord in prayer this morning, but how much do you pray? What is the emphasis you place on prayer? I got to tell you, church, if we're not praying, we can't expect to experience the power of God. We cannot expect to experience God's wonder-working power in us, on us, and through us, not only as a church body, but just as families, that are followers of Christ. We cannot expect God's power to move in the way we want him to if we're not praying. Let me share this with you. You will never grow in your relationship um, with God by just attending church services. Being here is not enough. You must step into your relationship with God. See, God can speak to you in church, but you do not have to have, or you do not have a conversation with him uh, at length 
um, just by attending church. You don't have a conversation with him at length just by asking the blessing over your food. You do not have a conversation at length with him just by kneeling at the very start of service. Now, can you get things done in that time? Can you speak to the Lord? Can you, um, can you have uh, a great and meaningful time of prayer during these times? Yes, of course, but do we? It's much like the question or, or, or the statement, I can do church alone at home. I don't have to go to a church house to do church. I can worship the Lord on my own from my living room. Okay, I won't fight you, but will you? I won't fight you on that, but do you? How much? Do you pray? Assess yourself. Here's your, here's your test for today, your assessment. Assess yourself. How much are you spending time in prayer? Little prayer, little power. Big prayer, big power. Y'all help me out. Little prayer, little power. Big prayer, big power. Or you can say, much prayer, much power. Amen? I think there are some misconceptions that we have as people, or as a church body, uh, regarding prayer. One is that we must be alone with God, that our prayer uh, time must be long, or that it's a once a day event. We pray together, we pray consistently. You ever heard that verse of scripture that says pray without ceasing? It doesn't mean that we dress up in robes as monks and, and I'm not downing or degrading anybody who would do this or that does practice as a monk per se. But what I am saying is like it doesn't mean that we have to walk around murmuring to ourselves in prayer to God and never have time for conversation with others. I don't think that that's what that means. But what it does mean is that prayer is a consistent conversation. Did you know that prayer is not over at the, at the word amen? When you say, uh, Father, bless this food. May it be strengthening and nourishing to our bodies. Or whatever it is you say. Whether you're praying for a loved one or praying for um, uh, someone you've just met. Whatever the case may be. When you bring something before the Lord. One, we should bring it with boldness because he's given us that ability to come boldly before the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. But two, you should come expecting God to move. How many of us pray not expecting anything to happen at all? We just pray because we know we should. You don't have to raise your hands, but think about it. I've been guilty of that myself. You should pray expecting God to move. God honors that type of prayer. But what I want to get to is this, is that when we pray, it's not over at the word amen. When you say amen, which means so be it, now it's time for you to listen. The conversation's not over. If all I ever had was one-sided conversations with Sandra, you think she'd like me as a husband? We probably wouldn't get much work done because I ramble too much and don't really make a lot of sense most often anyway. One-sided conversations are never helpful. They're never good. 
You ever come close to somebody who will never let you speak? In other words, don't have good listening ears? Us adults have worse listening ears sometimes than children. You repel from those people, don't you? I cannot stand to be around someone who thinks that only their words matter in the room. And God forgive me and team forgive me if I'm ever uh, putting off that, that vibe because I don't want to be that person. I want to be a good listener. We all know these people and if they're sitting right next to you, you better look at me and not at them. I don't want you to get in trouble. John Kelly said amen back there. Y'all bless him. What I want to say is one-sided conversations with God is little power. You're leaning on your own, uh, your own strength, your own thoughts, your own ability. Have you ever considered listening after you pray? I'm not just like waiting on like an audible. I'm not saying waiting on an audible you know, response. But what I'm saying is, have you ever considered listening after you pray? What is this, church? Huh? The word of God. Dots connecting. It's the word of God. How do you listen to God? After you pray, how do you listen to God? You open up the word of God. Pray and read your Bible. And you will have, I can't say you'll never have another question about how God feels about a certain situation or what God will do in a certain situation or how he will bless or how he will heal or how he will move or how he will uh, uh, work within a situation. But what I will say is you will have more faith to know and more understanding to believe that God is able in any situation you come in front of or that comes in front of you because you know God. How can you know God if you never listen to God? How can you know God if you don't know his word? It's not enough to come up here and, and listen to me preach for 35, 40 minutes on a Sunday or go to your small group and listen to a lesson for an hour in the middle of the week. It's not enough. You can't build meaningful relationships on 30 minute conversations that are most of the time one-sided. You gotta read, you gotta pray and read your Bible. I used to tell the teenagers, if you wanna be an effective Christian, like really, if you wanna see God move and really be used of the Lord, very simple concept, Easier said than done, though. Pray and read your Bible. It's prayer. I've spent enough time on this one point here, but I want you to know that God is always with us. He goes before us. He stays beside us. He's all around us. He's with us. Lo, I will be with you always, he says, but we must learn to communicate with him throughout our day. It's not over at the word amen. Amen just means uh, over. You ever talked on a walkie-talkie? Breaker, breaker, one, nine, blah, 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 whatever I gotta say, over. What over means is not that the conversation is over, but that I'm done talking and now I will listen for what you have to say. Amen is over. 
Secondly, if you're writing these things down on your um, sermon note cards, this is the second key term of relationship. It's thought. How many of us spend time in meditation thinking about what you've heard the Lord say? Anyone? This is probably what I do the most of. Like if I'm honest with you, as I uh, sit, as I sit at the desk downstairs in my office, or as I sit at a coffee shop, or as I sit uh, at the desk at home, or the table, whenever I'm listening to the Lord, sometimes Sandra will walk downstairs and it's kind of weird because she catches me in this, what would look like an awkward situation where I'm just like just looking. And she'll notice that like I'm not turning any pages, I'm just looking. <laughs> it's like uh, I'm, I'm meditating. I'm thinking about what it is that I've just heard the Lord say, what it means to me, what it means for you, what it means for us as a family. Meditation. As we pray, we listen, and then we think. Your thoughts, what are your thoughts on? The Bible says something like this, whatsoever thing is healthy, whatsoever thing is good, whatsoever thing is righteous, whatsoever thing is worthwhile, the Bible says, think on these things. Let your mind be set on the things above and not the things on earth. Why? Because when you set your mind on these things, right, when you think about the things that are good, the things that are healthy, the things that are right, the things that are righteous, the things that are worthwhile, when you think about heavenly things, your mind controls your actions. What you do is typically a result of your mind and your heart. And so when you think on heavenly things, you move in heavenly ways. So as you pray, and you listen, you meditate, and you work. You see the cycle? You see how it goes? Somebody said this to me on Wednesday. I think it was Brother Dennis. He said, this is how I refuel in the middle of the week. I come to church on a Wednesday to refuel. Why? That's a sure sign, green flag, that he prays, listens, meditates, and works. And then he needs to come to refuel. And then he comes and then he refuels and he prays, listens, meditates, and works. It's a cycle, a revolving door of faith and prayer and guidance and, and direction and, uh, and, and the Lord's blessing. But it's so easy to get off in there. It's so easy to kind of you know, slack a day or, or something comes up and you, you drop one of those things or, or, or whatever the case may be. It's very important for the relationship that we have with the Lord. If we are going to get the most out of the, out, out of the relationship, sorry, I can't speak. If we are going to get the most out of the relationship, we got to do our part. Christ has already done what it takes to save you to the uttermost. Christ has already done what it takes to bring you into fellowship with the Father. Even yet, while we were still sinners, Christ has died for us. And what that does is no longer is God's wrath on you and me. It's already been placed on, on Jesus. Now we operate and live as children of God. But to walk in that blessing and to truly understand the fullness of what that means, you got to do your part. You got to live the life of a child of God. You got to pray. You got to meditate. And thirdly, you just got to be honest with God. 
Too many of us in this room and watching online are kidding ourselves, thinking that God does not see through the facade we try to place in front of him. We gotta be honest with God. Like any friendship, honesty is a must. You can work with honesty, but you can't work with a facade. If you are putting on a front, you can fool me. You can fool me quickly with a, with a front. But it's honesty. When, when you're honest with one another, you can really dig into meaningful relationship. As long as you're putting on a front before God, one, he knows that it's a front. He sees right through it. But two, you're kidding yourself. And you'll never gain any traction or go anywhere. But the moment you get honest with the Lord is the moment that things begin to take shape. And it kind of reverts back to that uh, spiritual maturity. You begin to really grow in the Lord. But it takes honesty with God. Fourthly, is that you obey God in faith. We don't like this word obedience. We spent so much time as a child having to obey our parents, otherwise we get whoopings or grounded that like at, when you become an adult, like our favorite, I don't know if this is you, but like sometimes I just want to say, I'm a grown man. I can do what I want. Like I don't take direction, I give direction. But God commands us to obey in faith. And when we obey in faith, it's when we truly see the effect of his hand. Some of us are afraid to obey know what it will cost us. Do I need to switch mics? Is it, oh, okay. Um, I think I'm hearing something weird in the, in the front here, but obeying in faith is scary because we don't know what it will cost us. We don't know how much we got to give or how much we got to do or where we got to go or, or what it really entails to obey in faith. But as a church, Church are us. It is our duty not only to um, walk within the things that we've already mentioned, but to obey in faith. And I believe your obedience is a sure sign of your faith, right? You can tell the level of faith of a certain disciple or follower of Jesus by the way they obey Jesus, the way they will step out in obedience of, of faith, obedience of the Lord. When God tells you, and some of us don't even know what God's been telling us because we've not been listening to him, but when you listen to the Lord and when God speaks to you, what will happen afterwards is that you will then have an opportunity to obey in faith. I can grab this one. I think I'll be Jenny today. You will have an opportunity to obey in faith, but you will not know what to obey if you've not heard the command of the Lord. See, some of us think we have this thing narrowed down and you've got it too minimized, church. I wanna preach for just a second about how we minimize this bad boy. See, this is the word of God. It's holy and righteous and full, and it means something. We think it's a list of rules. Anybody ever thought this thing to be a list of rules? That's about it. No, it's a divine story from cover to cover about God's creation of man, man's fallen um, state, and God's redemptive pursuit of the heart 
of men. See, this whole thing is about how much God loves you and cares for you and seeks and desires to redeem you and bring you back into relationship with him. Only this is the deal. You got to come back to him. And so why do we go out and evangelize? Why did we go out and canvas five different neighborhoods yesterday while the kids were uh, playing or, or, or practicing their play? Because God has put it in us to work and operate within this relationship as the hands and feet of God to go redeem his people back to him. See, God's will is this. We pray, God, let your will be done. This is God's will. That none, and the Bible says this. Back, uh, read it and, and you, can, you can back it up with the Bible here. Uh, God's will is this, that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life uh, by way of the knowledge of, of Christ, right? Uh, it says it a better way than what I just said it, but what I want to say is this, that is the will of God. So we're praying, God, let your will be done. You want to know what God's will is? Is that you would get a fire up under you, that you would get a hunger to see God's will be done in reality. And I had to come to that yesterday. You know, I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting a little passionate about this, but God moved in me yesterday as I was uh, driving down the road. I'm like, uh, God, we dropped Becky back off and we got through with the play practice. We got in the truck and we're driving. I'm kind of praying to myself and I'm like, God, let your will be done through all this that's going on with the, with the play or with the church or with the series or whatever is going on. God, let your will be done. And then it almost thudded inside of me like the Holy Spirit got a hold of the heartstrings on the inside of me and said, but do you even understand what that means? Like, God, let your will be done. It means so much more than, God, I'm just going to throw this in your hands. Because that's how I've prayed it before. God, let your will be done. In other words, I'm going to unload my, my dump truck full of requests onto you, and then I just don't have to think about it anymore. No! God, let your will be done means, God, let the full effect of your gospel mission be manifest through my effort. See, I'm tired of the, the, the notion that we take most often that, that this walk with the Lord is a set it and forget it attitude. We cannot be the church with a set it and forget it attitude. One of my prayers each morning, and the whole team is praying this, by the way, and we'll let you in on a little more of this uh, soon, but one of our prayers, as we all pray at the same time, the same things every single morning is this, Lord, let us adopt a Christ-like attitude. A Christ-like attitude is to take the ordinances and the commands of God and declare, Lord, let your will be done in that through me. That is how God works. That is how God moves. That is how God grows churches. That's how God fills this patch of empty pews and that patch of empty pews and the, and the balcony up there. That is how God works. Not set it and forget it. We can't be the church and think that we can set it and forget it. We must get to work, church. We must get to work. And the first thing that is monumental in this pursuit and hunger for the Lord is our willingness to obey. Our willingness to say, okay, God, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my life. Let me see what thus saith the Lord God. If he is really my Lord, let me see what he says. And you read this thing. And you listen. Listen. 
when you obey in faith. John 15, verse 14 says this, you are my friends if you do what I command you. What does that mean, Austin? Did you know there is such thing as being in fellowship with the Lord? You can be in and out of fellowship with the Lord. It's all by you know, how you live, how you operate, if you obey God or if you trust him, if you have faith in God. See, the, it, you know, we get it confused. We think, okay, Christ has saved me, get out of hell free card, I'm good, right? Is that how we think? But what happens about sin after that? We just sin freely? What does Paul say? Should we go on then sinning just so grace may abound? What does he say after that? Who can finish? God forbid it. No, we're called to live righteous and holy and, and set apart for God. Why? Why are we called to live that way? For the effect of it. Yes, we are washed clean by the blood of Christ and what he has done on the cross of Calvary. Yes, that is uh, open and free. It's the free gift of God through, uh, uh, of eternal life through Christ crucified. Yes, that is the case. But no, we do not go on sinning just so grace may abound. We don't have just a get out of hell free card and, and we lollygag through life uh, sin free. No, that is not the case. So what happens with sin after we're saved? We still face repercussion. How can you be blessed and addicted to porn at the same time? How can your marriage flourish if you're having more intentional relationships with a screen than you are your wife? How can you understand and know God and not read his word or pray? It's doing what the Lord commands to be closer to the Lord. Or, as a nat put it this way, a natural result of drawing near to God is your reaction in obedience. Let me remind you of this. Moses encountered the Lord through the burning bush on Mount Sinai. It was a wild experience. The bush was on fire, but the leaves were green. He's like, what in the world is this? And then the Lord said something monumental. Take your shoes off because you're on holy ground. This is land set apart for me. I am the great I am. I am the Lord, he says. And Moses' encounter with God that day prompted a life of obedience afterwards. If you truly have encountered the Lord, or if you truly draw, what does the Bible say? Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. If you truly encounter the Lord on a regular basis, you will have the desire burned inside of you to obey him in faith. Bottom line. Fifth, and I gotta finish. You will value what God value, uh, values. This fifth word is consideration. 
You will think, how does this bless the Lord? How does this uh, further the kingdom here? And everything that I do, let everything that I do glorify the Lord. And, and so uh, if I do this, how will it bless the Lord? How will it minister to them? How will it bring value to what God values? How can I consider the Lord today? If I'm sweeping a floor, how can I make this about the Lord? Or if I'm in, and, and I know we're scared to do all this because we're afraid what people will think, but you'll be surprised. Uh, the, the more you consider what the Lord would have you do, the more people will gravitate to you because that's what they're seeking in the first place. You see, in the hearts and lives of everyone who walks the face of this earth today is a void on the inside. It's made way by uh, the payment of sin. That's what sin will do. It, 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 it forms this chasm on the inside of you. And we search for what can fill the hole. We used to preach to teenagers this way. You know the little table that has a star, square, triangle, whatever. We're trying to put the star in the square hole. When, when we uh, look to substances for comfort or when we look to other things to fill this void that only the blood of Jesus fits in. Okay, and so what I will say is this, is that when we begin to understand that only the blood of Jesus fits in this one particular void that is in the inside, inside of each of us, those of us who have that, fill it with Jesus, or Jesus comes in and then tabernacles within us and fills that void, but then everyone that we come in contact with who's still dealing with an emptiness or still trying to fill that void with everything but Jesus, you'd be surprised how much people will gravitate to the Jesus that's in you. When you openly live in obedience and faith, to the Lord, people will gravitate to it. Now, there are a lot of people in the world that will be repelled by it, of course. Um, but you'll be surprised just who looks uh, at your spirituality or at your relationship with God and says, boy, I want that. I just want that. I just want that. I want that relationship with God. I want that comfort. I want that peace. I want that freedom. I want that love. Nobody else has ever loved me like that. I want that love. I want to be a part of something that's so much bigger than myself. I want to be a part of something that's genuine or something that's true or something that's impactful. Some people seek to climb Mount Everest. And if you're going to climb Mount Everest, praise the Lord, um, you know, more power to you. But I'm going to tell you what, if you want to be a part of something that's monumental, if you want to hang a trophy on your wall, start serving the Lord and getting down in the ditches with people that need Jesus and see if God don't bless your socks off. That's a trophy to hang up on the wall is your devotion in obedience and your desire, your value for what God values. This is what friends do. We care about what is important to the other person. Another part of our, our daily morning prayer is the instruction of Philippians chapter 2 as it says, let us consider others as greater than ourselves. How many of us do that? How many of us consider others to be greater than ourselves? Look after others before you look after yourselves. Lord, no. Not in this day and age. We gotta take care of us and our own. But the mindset of Christ is different. Mindset of Christ is I'm saved to the uttermost and I'm okay. What is it? It is well with my soul, whatever comes my way. I'm gonna take care of the next person. And let that be credited to me, or credited to me as righteousness or service to the Lord. Sixth, I gotta move forward, I'm over my time. Desire friendship with God more than anything else. Your priority, 
Assess your priorities. What comes first? The truth is, you are as close to God as you want to be. You're as close to God as you want to be. You want to nestle in closer? Pray and read more. Devote your life. Obey him some more. Be more bold about your faith. Trust in him for the scary things. But you're only as close to God as you want to be. Our desires must change if we are to fulfill our eternal purpose. We got to develop a passion and a hunger for the Lord. Some of you in here have such a hunger for the Lord and a hunger and a passion for the things of God. It sets me ablaze. It illuminates me. And that's what I want to say in this next just few seconds. As the band comes up, matter of fact, you guys just come on up. This is a good time to just close out. Band, you guys come on up. This is what I want you to know. Very simple, easier said than done, though. Just like a row of matches, if you light one match and bring that lit match to the end of a row of matches, it's inevitable. Sooner or later, the flame will go and the entirety of the line of matches will be lit. What is the importance of that? It's that your faith, your hunger for God, your obedience to the Lord can and will illuminate the people around you. It will spark a fire like no other. When somebody gets intentional and real about the Lord, the people around them will develop that same passion, that same hunger. Oh Lord, I wish. And this is what I want selfishly as a pastor. I want so badly for somebody to be raised up in here with a hunger and a fire to preach God's word with passion and strength and bold faith. I seen this happen one time in a church that we used to attend. One person received this hunger to preach the word of the Lord. And the next thing you know, about a week later, we had somebody else that had just spent the entirety of their week diving into God's word. And they developed a hunger and a passion and a fire that was shut up in their bones to preach God's word. Next thing you know, we had a crew of young men that were so on fire for the Lord. You never had to worry about somebody jumping up or testifying. You never had to worry about somebody having something laid on their heart. Used to, let me tell you about what used to happen. This is one part of the good old days that I wish would come back very quickly, like today even. That sometimes it would be so thick, the spirit in the room, that the preacher could just look at somebody and tell that the Lord was on them. And the preacher used to do this. I, it, it happened to me quite often. It happened to my friends quite often. The preacher would just look and point, and we would know that he just wants us to testify. And we would stand up and begin to declare what it is that we had been experiencing the Lord say. How can we know what the Lord is saying to us if we are not listening, church? I would to God today that we would grow hungry for what God is saying, that we would open this Bible, that we would hear him speak, and that we would act upon it, that we would take full accountability for ourselves in this rotation of information in this conversation that we are having with the father of heaven and earth that we would pray and that we would listen that we would meditate and then we would act or we would work and i would to god today that we would just develop this hunger 
this angst, this desire to see God move in a mighty way. Man, if we just have some men and women open this thing up and really come under the, the Word of God, it will do it on its own. You don't have to go into it wanting to do anything. You get into this thing enough, you'll have something to say about the Lord. I can't tell you how much I have just in my... It, it, it happens just organically. I, I have... And not just because I'm a preacher, not because I pastor, but because I spend enough time in this thing. In my notes, you could, I could give my notes app to another preacher and they'd have material for a year. I could bore you to death with everything God has shown me in his word. I could preach for hours and hours about the goodness of God, not only based on my experience of how good He is. Anybody testify to the Lord's goodness in this place today? Has He been good to you? Is God good to you? Is He the Father? Is He Lord and Savior to you? I can testify of God's goodness based on my experience of Him all day long, but I've gotten into His Word. And I can talk for days and days and days. But uh, uh, about just what that means. This relationship with the Lord is so much more than a get out of heaven or a get up. Well, you don't want to get out of heaven. Get out of hell free card. It's intentional purpose and relationship. So church, I want to give you this opportunity to act upon what you've heard today. If you need to spend time, intentional, meaningful time with the Lord in prayer, do so. Get a hold of somebody that means something to you. Get a hold of somebody that's close to you. And you come up and you bow at this altar. And you just get intentional with the Lord. Whatever that means. Maybe you've been looking around today and you know what somebody's going through. Enough of just dealing with the, with the punches or taking the punches from the enemy. Go grab some. You men and women of faith, you go grab somebody who you know is going through something. And you bring them before the Lord today. We are church, are us. We are a unit. We are uh, a family. We are together. We are the hands and feet of Jesus, and we are to move in faith and obedience. And so, would you come from right where you are and just do business with the Lord? Would you stand with me? See, I've made it easier for you. Everybody's standing. All you have to do now is just step out from where you are. You come, you do business with the Lord today.